Marvelites, you are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 409. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Woman Thing Lorraine Sink. <laughs> woman Thing. Yeah, it me, Woman Thing. I come from the swamp. I have a weird face. You're welcome. <laughs> I feel real good about this episode. <laughs> Get ready. Uh, if you're just joining us on TWIM, we are going to talk about all kinds of fun stuff, things that we're hyped about and excited about, things that have been happening this week in Marvel, from TV to movies to games to comics and beyond. Uh, and this is a packed show. Yeah, because you know why? It's our birthday. Yay! It's my birthday. You don't look a day over 79. <laughs> Happy birthday, Marvel. <laughs> like how you went right to Southern. I don't even know what accent that is great. other than an antiquated lady. Yep. It's fantastic. Yes, that is correct, Lorraine. It is Marvel's 80th anniversary. Uh, actually, we are looking at August 31st as the actual date. If you don't know exactly why, keep listening through to our This Week in Marvel history section later in the show. And our interview this episode will be with Brian Crosby and Beth Bryson from the Marvel-themed entertainment team to talk about some of the exciting stuff that we announced and revealed at D23 Expo, as well as just getting into their careers. But that's going to be really fun. Uh, we're going to dig into some of that D23 Expo stuff in a couple seconds. Uh, but there's a whole bunch of stuff going on all year long, but especially this week. Yeah, Marvel Comics 1000 came out this week. You're welcome. Go read it. It's 80 pages for 80 years. There's the through line. Things happen in it. You're going to love it. Deal with it, America. Surprise, it's 96 pages. What the fudge? <laughs> yeah, it is huge. And there's a butt ton of creative teams on it. Yeah. Uh, there were these um, Marvel birthday party events that happened this week. If you guys went to them, uh, let us know. I'm always curious to see who goes to the cool like midnight openings and stuff for our comics. Send us some pictures. Tweet them using hashtag This Week in Marvel uh, or even on Instagram. Tag one of us. Yeah. We're both on Instagram at Agent M. And at Lorraine Sink. We're easy to find. Guggle it. <laughs> I didn't like the sound of that for some reason. <laughs> hey, this next thing I'm really excited about. Yeah. Um, Marvel, Sirius XM, and Pandora announced plans to launch an all-new exclusive music station and limited time channel, Marvel's 80th, The Road to Marvel Comics 1000, to celebrate 80 years of Marvel. It's music. Yeah. That's how it works. That That is a how it works music thing. Now, that's what we call music. Uh, they've yeah. all started, so go enjoy. Put it in your ears. Yeah. Uh, Marvel's 80th, The Road to Marvel Comics number 1000 will like basically go through eight decades, all our history of music, pop culture, the Marvel Universe. It starts in 1939, which is the year we debuted and going throughout to where we are today. You know, I'm, I'm really interested to listen to this because it's funny. I was going back through a timeline of Marvel, just the Marvel Universe in general, comics, TV, films. And the first film was in the 40s. It was a serialized Captain America film, which nobody ever talks about. Oh, right? Get it for me, America. How do I find this? <laughs> Seriously, I want it. I want it. We should talk to Harry. Harry yeah. works with a historian. She works at uh, Columbia. She probably has some, some ways... We know people. We know people. We'll get back to you. Yes. Uh, but for this uh, project with Sirius XM and Pandora, uh, the host is Mike Rubens, uh, who's worked on Full Frontal with Samantha Bee, uh, The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. He's going to guide us year by year with lively commentary that basically bridges each song to the events in the Marvel Universe, along with real life history. That idea of that Marvel is the world outside your window. This is a way to bridge the real world, the Marvel Universe and the music. You know what makes me so happy is this what? is essentially when somebody makes you a mixtape and then they explain to you why they made you a mixtape and they're like, wait, you have to hear this next song because I, this is why I chose it for you. I assume he sounds not like that. But... I hope he sounds exactly like that. <laughs> Only time will tell. Tune in at SiriusXM and uh, across all those other channels. Yep. The programming will be is actually specially curated by Marvel with Pandora and Sirius XM. Some of the songs that we'll hear include classics from Nat King Cole, Frank Sinatra, Elvis Presley, uh, stuff from the Rolling Stones, Duran Duran, The Beatles, Led Zeppelin, Madonna, and Prince. Uh, of course, Eminem, Kanye West, The Weeknd, and more. So it's really very expansive, just like Marvel Comics. I like it. Yeah. Um, we're also celebrating what would have been Jack Kirby's 102nd birthday on August 28th with our second annual Jack Kirby A2Z. Yeah. Because he's written, you know, Jack Kirby is just such a prolific creator and an important creator for Marvel Comics. And it's his birthday. So we got to celebrate with uh, diving into some of his coolest stuff that he's created. Yeah. So what we did is pull 
uh, all 26 letters of the alphabet and spotlight one character or team or concept for every letter. Uh, that'll be a little bit later in the show. But first, on two things we're hyped about this week, comma, including news, colon. Uh, honestly, a lot of stuff out of D23 and my brain is exploding a little bit because like some of that stuff I didn't know was happening and you know we get to work here at Marvel so sometimes we know the hashtag secrets as Ryan likes to say Mm -hmm. but uh a lot of these were secrets I didn't know and I'm Hashtag excited. 100%. Yeah, D23 Expo was last week. So, so much was announced. But first, the Disney Legends celebration yeah. and coronation. Uh, not co- is coronation? Cor- is it coronation? That's they become you- royal legacy. I mean, they do kind of. They yeah. become Disney royalty. That's very true. It's- and they put their hands in cement. They do the signature. They get an award. It's a it's a big honor, you know. You do become a Disney legend for life. Yeah, uh, three of the Disney legends uh, were in part representing Marvel there, with Robert Downey Jr., Ming Na Wen, and John Favreau were all celebrated and inducted for their contributions. How did I say that word? Contributions <laughs> for their contributions and achievements throughout their careers. I think that's really so deserved. You know, Ming-Na Wen, of course, was the voice of Mulan. Now she plays Agent May on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But Jon Favreau, too, you know, started the Marvel Universe. I think a lot of people think of him. He plays Happy in the Iron Man films. But he was also an executive producer on most of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films. And he directed the very first film and collaborated on the script for Iron Man. So, I mean, a huge contribution there. And RDJ is. He's... He's him. He's RDJ. He's him. <laughs> uh, I got to talk quickly with John Favreau at the. I love um, him. Yeah, at, on, on the like the red carpet press line mm-hmm. for the Disney Legends event, and just asked him, you know, what was his Marvel origin story. And it was just so great about him, like learning to draw comics and and looking at Marvel comics and talking about Jack Kirby, and it was it was really cool. Yeah. That interview is available on Marvel.com and our YouTube channels. We had a lot of content from D23 Expo. Oh my gosh, so much stuff happened. Yeah, including the full reveal and announcement of Avengers Campus at the Walt Disney Parks. I don't even know how to fully couch this. There's so much with Avengers Campus. First, it is coming to Disney California Adventure in Anaheim, and then it will be in Disneyland Paris. It includes Web, which is the Worldwide Engineering Brigade that is going to have spider bots and a cool ride where you're in this like web-slinging vehicle where you have to help Spidey capture these rogue spider bots that are running around uh, Avengers Campus. It's going to be really fun. There's a California Sanctum, which is a whole Doctor Strange segment, which you'll hear a little bit more about later in the show. Um, Heard Ant-Man's hanging out. Yeah, there's going to be a Pym Technologies area, and they're testing uh, the Pym particles on food. There was a giant-sized pretzel and a giant-sized soda, which is a really cool Easter egg for the MCU if you look at the soda can. I'm just going to leave that there. You'll figure it out. You'll Google, you'll Google it, as, Google it. Uh, as Lorraine says. What else? There's... Oh, I'm also excited for Guardians of the Galaxy to come to Epcot. Yes. I know that they're talking about a lot of cool stuff happening with Epcot over the next few years. Plus, there's going to be that new hotel at Disneyland Paris. Yes. Yeah, uh, the, Art the Art of Marvel, Marvel Hotel, Disneyland Paris, is going to have like themed rooms and character encounters. I think they said 300 pieces of original art between Marvel Comics and Marvel Studios that will be on display there. But the, the Epcot stuff is going to have a ride called uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. It's wild. Um, but let's talk about this. Disney Plus, I'm so excited. Literally, this was the stuff I did not know about, and I was beside myself. So one of the biggest aspects of the D23 Expo this year was Disney+. Plus. It's the new streaming service from the Walt Disney Company launching on November 12th, which is crazy soon. We're already in default. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I know. It's really soon. It blew my mind. I was like, oh, we have to wait so long. Oh, no, that's like in a few weeks. But fans at D23 Expo got their first look at some of the amazing shows that are going to be streaming on that service. Marvel was very proud to be on hand with some of the very first nonfiction shows premiering at launch, many of which produced by our pals here in the office, which is super cool. Yeah, Marvel's Hero Project is going to be so sweet. Everyone's going to cry. Yeah, it's a show about kids that are doing heroic things in their real worlds, and then they get to become their own kind of Marvel superhero with a special comic and honoring, and it's... Feels. Niagara Falls. Yeah. Do you want to cry? Do you just need like a good hearted cry? Get ready. Yeah. Um, and then Marvel Studios also announced uh, Marvel Studios. What are you doing to me? This felt personal for me. <laughs> I was like, thank you. So Marvel Studios announced Miss Marvel 
on Disney Plus, Marvel Studios Moon Knight on Disney Plus, and Marvel Studios She Hulk on Disney Plus. I'm not going to lie, I went home, slash, I was home, and I literally sat down and I wrote pages of notes of what I want to see on the She Hulk show. That was the first thing I did because I am such a huge She Hulk fan. I have a list of demands. And after that show comes out, we can discuss it. But Fair. I think before then, we probably can't. Nope. We don't have any information about these shows, of like no. when or what, like nothing. We just know that they are on their way. Uh, we did get to see some new looks and some information of various other shows that are coming from Marvel Studios. Uh, Marvel Studios, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier announced that John Walker will be on the show, that Sharon Carter will be on the show. I'm very excited about that. They gave out a new poster. Marvel Studios' WandaVision showed like a tone teaser. It really like just gave the like the sense of what the show will be like, and it is awesome. I, I was like sitting in the crowd and I was listening to people around me going like chattering like, "Oh, this looks cool," and then as it goes on the music gets darker the tone gets even darker and darker and everybody's like whoa well it starts out like very donna reed like very they, they sort actually, of sweet 60s yeah they had dick van dyke show footage in oh, really? in the piece giving a sense of like oh fun and then, and then it just gets weird I'm so excited. It was real cool. Uh, there's plenty more. There's all kinds of news about this. Of course, you know, Marvel Studios announced the uh, release date for Marvel Studios Black Panther 2, which is May 6, 2022. Yeah. Um, they showed, you know, they brought out the cast for Marvel Studios, The Eternals. Um, they announced Kit Harrington will be playing um, Dane Whitman. Yeah. Uh, and we got to see more of Marvel Studios Black Widow. And they, the footage they showed was some new footage from what we had seen at Comic-Con. And it was great. I am so excited yeah. for that film. It's going to be great. May 1st, that's oh my gosh. all so soon. Yeah. So with everything that's going on, that was really the, the bulk of our hype this week. Um, but I'm sure there'll be plenty more news for us to talk about next week. That is stuff that's happening right now, but we got to talk about this week in Marvel history. Uh, we are talking. This is the this is the apex. Get excited! Hold on to your seats and then your butts. Yeah, your seat butt. Uh, we are talking about the week of August thirtieth through September fifth across eighty years of history, but actually even earlier because September first, nineteen twenty six, gentleman Gene Colan is born in the Bronx. Gene drew over 800 issues for us here at Marvel, well over 1,200 comics. The first earliest credit for him for Marvel that I could find was Lawbreakers Always Lose, number one, from 1948. His last Marvel credit was a Captain America and Bucky versus Monster Story alongside Ed Brubaker from Captain America number 601 from 2009. That's wild. Right? He had incredible runs on Daredevil, Iron Man, Submariner, Tomb of Dracula, Doctor Strange, Howard the Duck, Falcon, uh, Carol Danvers, Blade, and more. First hit comics because of him. Like His contribution to Marvel is so important. He passed away a couple of years ago, but I we had to mention him here. What an epic career. I mean, 61 years. That's yeah. not nothing to sneeze at. No. But let's talk about this tiny little baby issue. Hmm. That gave birth to the Marvel Universe. This baby had a baby, and this is the baby. All right, August 31st, 1939, Marvel Comics number one was released. Namor, the Human Torch, Angel, Kazar, and the Masked Raider all debut. It is the start of everything. This is the little spark in the Marvel Universe that turned into all the planets, and then Pangea happened, and the dinosaurs died. I've yep. gotten off. Nope. Yep. You're on. You're on it. You're on it. <laughs> All right. But um, if you want to deep dive into that issue, you should listen to our first This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club episode of the year. Ryan gets into that. What a delight. Yeah. And you did some stuff with it on EMS, right? Yeah. We actually, we also did a deep dive on the Women of Marvel podcast. I did a big uh, history deep dive, I think, in January. If you want to go back to the, what do you call it? Archives. Check it out. Yeah. I'll talk to your face. Yeah. The Namor story in here is so good. All the Golden Age Namor stuff is incredible. Honestly, and I talk about this a lot in the Women of Marvel podcast, but the ladies in that story yeah. are driving that whole story. Namor is a cog, and these women are like, no, nah, we're going to kill some dudes. And it's real fun. Yeah. Uh, Get into it. Namor befriends a cop, and she, in like his history mm -hmm. in the Golden Age, she's awesome. 
His, his mom's a his straight mom, up badass. 100%. All right, September 2nd, 1958. This one I really wanted to talk about because I look at it as an important date in Marvel history uh, personally because it's the date when both Tales of Suspense mm. and Tales to Astonish, they both begin. So the month before, there hadn't been any comics published by Marvel. I don't know how that happened or like there, it's like a weird just anomaly. This one, when I look at it from a historical perspective, it always feels like a reset and a realignment to me. Um, you come back with these two Tales books and you've got top tier sci-fi monster suspense stories being created by Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, and Jack Kirby. They're sh- firing shots to reignite what the company was. Of course, this is just a couple years before we're in the full Marvel age. Uh, and then in the 60s, Tales of Suspense starts to feature Iron Man and Captain America, becomes Captain America. Tales to Astonish features uh, Ant-Man, Hulk, Submariner. It's, you know, amazing stuff. I mean, it's really crazy to me because I think about this all the time that if we didn't have these places where science fiction could kind of run rampant and where we could tell these huge mythos, I mean... The Marvel Universe wouldn't exist. That is where our superheroes were born. And I think so many people think of, oh, like superheroes, that was his own genre. And it was just that. And it's like, no. Yeah. It all came from science fiction. For sure. Um, September 1st, 1966, Stan and Jack, you know our guys, uh, they introduced the High Evolutionary, the Knights of Wondergore, you know, that big creepy mountain, and uh, Man Beast and Wondergore Mountain in a story titled The People Breeders. Oh, God, honestly, so weird. But it also deals with, like, early genetics. Oh, yeah. I mean, we think of genetics as something pretty recent, like, oh, what's going to happen or with cloning or whatever? Like, way back in the 60s, they were predicting genetic changes. It's wild. Uh, and that was in Thor 134. I made sure to include this because it's going to factor into some of our discussions in Jack Kirby A to Z a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, August 31st, 1982, Monica Rambeau debuts as the new Captain Marvel in Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 16 by Roger Stern and John Romita Jr. She's got super energy powers. She wears a Mardi Gras outfit that she steals from like a Mardi Gras place because she goes through this explosion. Um, she also is like a sexy lady and convinces a bunch of sailors to let her on a boat, which is how she gets into these hijinks. I'm obsessed with her. She tells off her boss in the like her origin story. She's everybody that I want to be. Yes. I love Monica Rambo, and she looks good doing it. Heck yeah. She's been called Photon, Pulsar, and Spectrum, which I believe is still her current name. Yes. Technically, although mostly we just call her Monica Rambo, but I will say she's had her name stolen twice by Captain Marvel, the original Captain Marvel's son, uh, Janice Val, who showed up and was like, oh, I'm going to be Captain Marvel. She's like, okay. And then, he's, <laughs> and then he showed up again. He's like, oh, I'm going by Photon now. And she's like, are you freaking kidding me, man? That's my name. That's my name. So he's taken her name twice. So now we just call her Monica. What a herb. <laughs> what a, yeah. Get, go back to space, you jerk. Uh, and uh, if you are unfamiliar with Monica, you will probably know that we met a young Monica Rambeau in Marvel Studios' Captain Marvel. And at San Diego Comic-Con, it was announced that Tayona Paris will play Monica Rambeau in the Disney Plus show Marvel Studios' WandaVision. Next up, Miss Marvel co-creator G. Willow Wilson was born. Oh, this is so nice. It's the same day. <laughs> We got Monica and Willow. Oh, I love G. Willow Wilson. Yeah, it's pretty great. She's a cool lady. Uh, September 3rd, 1991. Bishop! (laughs) Along with Malcolm and Randall, they make a huge last page intro in Uncanny X-Men number 282 by Wills Partacio and John Byrne. Mullet in the wind. Oh, so beautiful. We learn much more about Bishop next issue, but from the mullet... The tattoo, the scarf, the powers, the mystery. He was one of the most dynamic new characters of the 90s and remains a fan favorite today. I I just, I love Bishop so much. <laughs> He's so awesome. And he, also one of my favorite swimsuit outfits yes. from the swimsuit issues because he wears like the little short shorts, but with like the full Bishop outfit on top. So it's like work on top, party on the bottom. It's, it's a mullet of an outfit, really. Oh my God, that's the best description I've ever heard. <laughs> 
September 5th, 2001, Jessica Jones makes her first appearance in the Marvel Max title Alias, number one, by Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Gatos, which is hugely important. Ugh. Also, just so good. Go go get the big hardbound one. Yeah. So good. Origin number one by Paul Jenkins and Andy Kubert kicks off the beginning of revealing Wolverine's name and origins as we know now. He was just a sickly little boy named James Howlett from a wealthy Canadian family. Oi, it's me, James Howlett, here from Canada. Hey, hello, eh? Put another deer on the barbie. Oh, boy. Uh, we, we learned that Canada he Canada had... is screaming. <laughs> Just so is Australia. Uh, and uh, Anyway, he had bone claws and mutant powers that come out during a very traumatic event in his childhood, which is recounted during this run of origin. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. That was all kinds of history stuff, but we do have to tell you about the top books from this week's episode of Marvel's The Pull List. They include Captain America number 13, Fantastic Four, Yancey Street number one, Marvel Comics number 1000 gets a special one, uh, Marvel Monsters number one, and Thor number 16. Yeah, you guys, subscribe to Marvel's Pull List wherever you get your podcasts. You can hear full breakdowns of like tons and tons and tons of Marvel comics, uh, as well as Tucker Marcus, my mortal enemy and best friend, uh, as well as Ryan Matagas, like breaking all that stuff down. And it is highly educational and entertaining. Yeah. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Lorraine. I would like to do a big talk now, please. Big talk time. It sounds like you're in trouble. I'm sorry, Ryan, but I need to big talk with you. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> it is time for Jack Kirby A to Z Part 2, The New Batch. Ooh, I like it. Bigger and badder. Yeah. Too fast, too Kirby. Oh, man. Uh, we'll give you 26 Kirby creations, ideas, and connections, one for each letter of the alphabet. Uh, we did this last year on episode number 357 of This Week in Marvel, and I had such a fun time with it. I wanted to make sure we brought it back this year. Uh, if you want to hear the first bunch, go back to that episode. It's in the archives. You can find it wherever you're listening to this episode. Uh, but first things first, I want to make sure that we, you guys know this, is not a comprehensive list of all things Kirby ever did. We cannot do that in any timely oh fashion. Oh, my Lord. Uh, Got a month? <laughs> yeah. Second, this is about Jack Kirby. He worked with so many amazing collaborators over his career, whether it's Stan Lee, Dick Ayers, Joe Simon, uh, but we won't be mentioning them much in the context here. We make a point of saying that now because, especially with Stan, there's so much here that's because of their work together, and we don't want y'all to think we're neglecting anyone. Uh, this is all about Kirby. Absolutely. And, you know, comics is a team sport. It takes a lot of people to make a comic book. Yes. So. Indeed. Here we go. All right, let's start off with A. A is for Absorbing Man, who first appeared in Journey into Mystery number 114, January of 1965. Carl Crusher Creel obtained the power to absorb the properties of anything he touches thanks to a magic potion courtesy of your boy Loki. He's a big, bad, bald boy with a bang and ball and chain. So many Bs for a, for an A-boy. <gasps> All right, B. Batrock the Leaper first appeared in Tales of Spence number 75 in December of 1965. George Batrock is a... Longtime foe of Captain America, a mercenary, a French dude, a master of savante, because he's French, savante. which is uh, French kickboxing and uh, acrobatics, because he's a leaper. Um, also portrayed in the films by an amazing MMA fighter who I'm forgetting the name of and is George St. Pierre. Thank you, George St. Pierre, who is phenomenal. Oh, so good. Uh, C is for Celestials, which first appeared in Eternals number 2, May 1976. Uh, Celestials are massive cosmic beings created by the first iteration of reality, a.k.a. the first firmament because it was lonely and wanted friends real story. Uh, they do experiments around the universe with planets and beings and get involved in big, 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 big cosmic events. They have cool names and functions, as we'll see a little bit later on. And when their heads get severed, they get turned into planets like nowhere. As you would. Yeah. Um, D is for Deviants, uh, introduced in Eternals number one in April of 1976, created by Celestials through Earth-based experiments. The Deviants are the cousins of a sort of humans and Eternals. They're described by Kirby in the very first issue of Eternals as an ever-changing and destructive failure, structurally unstable each new generation of Deviant appeared in new and monstrous ways. His lot was constant war. So, not nice. No. Bad boys. Uh, e is for Eternals, which first appeared in Eternals number one, April of 1976, created from experiments to ape-like ancestors. Jack described them as... 
the Eternal. He was more a child of the gods than of Earth. He reached for the universe. The Eternals bred few in number and were immune to time and death. Like the gods, they lived apart from all other living beings. Not epic at all. So good. I love it so much. <laughs> F is for Fing, Fing, Foom. Weep, weep, weep. Introduced in Strange Tales number 89 in 1961. One of Jack's pre-Fantastic Four monsters who made the leap into the Marvel age Foom is a big alien dragon uh, who wears little pants, and he's the best. Sometimes you make tea, and that calms him down. Yeah. That's my favorite, is he just needs an herbal tea to, like, chill out. You know what? He just wants to hang. You know, he's a big boy. G is for Galactus. Fantastic Four number 49 was his first appearance in January of 1966. I mean, come on. You know who Big G is. Uh, he's a devourer of worlds. As much a universal force and necessity as he is a being, Galactus was the sole survivor of the previous universe and now likes to munch. Yeah, he's a snacky boy. Yeah. Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> oh, I like this. H, high evolutionary. He's back. He was introduced in, you remember this, Thor 1934 in September of 1966. Herbert Edgar Winham was a scientist with a horrible name um it's not it's pretentious it's not his fault he didn't choose it um he was a scientist who just loved to science his history is completely nuts it is what well, i don't it's I, crazy how i don't even know how i put this together because it's so bonkers it also it feels very 60s um but he evolved himself beyond regular humanity and he had a suit of armor and he created a half animal half human guys called the new men but they weren't really men because they were kind of beasties it's completely nuts but it's he's like um mr monster creator so like he can kind of do anything he's like a weird mix of science and magic yeah yeah that's how he do totally I is for Impossible Man. Fantastic Four number 11 was his first appearance in November of 1962. He's a green shape-shifting alien called a pop puppian Pop-puppian. He's a Pop-upian from the planet Pop-up. He's kind of a prankster and a jerk and a general goofball, but a super fun character. He's impossible. (laughs) All right. Jay is for Juggernaut. Uncanny X-Men, number 12, 1965. That's when he came around just being a big boy. Um, Charles Xavier's rough and tumble stepbrother, Kane Marco. Get it? He's the Marco Kane. He kills his brother. Did you never get that? No. You're welcome, America. What? <laughs> yeah, he's the Mark of Cain. He's there to kill his brother. I just ruined Ryan Finagos. No, I'm... I did not ruined. I'm. This is amazing. <laughs> I love this so much more. I've you guys. I've never destroyed in a room like this, and it felt really good. <laughs> Both myself and Persia, our producer, she is rubbing her eyes. She is devastated. I am thrilled. Lorraine, you are the best. Oh, gee, thanks. Well, to continue, since we, we'll, we'll just keep going with that, you're welcome. Check out the Bible. Cain uh, <laughs> 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 uh, Marco was in the military when he, along with Charles, uh, came up upon a temple of the ancient god of Sidorak, also a Shakespearean reference. So this is just rife with the wow. classics. Um, Sidorak's what gave power to the guy who was stuck on the island in The Tempest. Gilligan? That's the one. <laughs> um, anyways, he grabbed a mystical crimson gem in the temple. He turned Cain into Juggernaut and nigh an unstoppable force of destruction and rage and a very short neck. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That was great. Uh, <laughs> K is for Karnak from Fantastic Four number 45 in September of 1965. He's a member of the Inhuman Royal Family, actually Black Bolt's cousin. Karnak actually never went through the process of teragenesis. His ability to see the weakness in anyone or anything is just part of who he is because he's that damn good. Honestly, it makes me feel so stressed. Can you imagine just having someone assess you so much like, I just see you, man. Yeah, I just will destroy you with just by looking at you. Oof. All right, L is for Loki, introduced in Journey into Mystery number 85 in August of 1962. You guys know Loki. He's the god of mischief, and he is one of the most beloved Marvel characters. We just want him to be a good boy, but boy, he was born to be bad. Um, You know, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to be a Loki. Yeah. 
Aww. M is for Machine Man, who first appeared in 2001, A Space Odyssey number 8 from April of 1977. Machine Man, a.k.a. X-51, a.k.a. Aaron Stark, was one of a number of robots created to be weapons, but he was raised with a little bit of a sense of humanity and ends up becoming a hero of sorts. That said, he's not very fond of fleshy ones. I am. Next up, N... <laughs> I don't know what just happened. I don't know what that means, but I love it. Okay, N is for Nazar, the calculator, introduced in Eternals number nine uh, in December of 1976. Um, Each of the 2,000-foot-tall celestials, you know, those big boys we were talking about before, had a function and a role within the group. And Nazar is the data dude. He takes in information from the other celestials and their experiments and actions, and he maths it up for the big boss, Irishem the Judge. Arisham is my fave. He's a sweet boy. He goes, thumbs up, thumbs down. I love all the Celestials. You've got like the calculator. You've got the analyzer, the judge. They all Uh, sound like stuff inside your computer. Yeah, they're so great. Anyway, O is for Orgo, who appeared in Strange Tales number 90 in August 1961. I love this origin. Okay, he's a large alien conqueror, and in his first appearance, Orgo took over all of humanity. Then he got sleepy, he fell asleep at the circus, and was seemingly killed by an angry circus gorilla. No lie, that is comics. But he was fine. Uh, He later joined a squad of the Howling Commandos in a non-field support capacity in a really fun role. Uh, That was really great. Also, just like shout out to all of the Kirby monsters that are so fun. They all look like melting lava with big mouths. Well, a lot of them do. And they're just really awesome and fun in 60s. I love them. Yeah, Orgo has those giant eyes. He looks great. I love a Guga. Yeah. (laughs) All right. P is for Puppet Master in Fantastic Four number eight in August of 1962. Ben Grimm's new father-in-law, Philip Masters, uses clay from the base of Wonder Gore Mountain. Remember that place from the High Evolutionary? Lots of magic happens there. Uh, And it is likely infused with dark mystical energies. That's also where Wanda got some of her magic Mm -hmm. or radioactivity TBD on that. But when he uses it, he sculpts it, he can control people. So he's not... He's not a great father-in-law. No, he's, he's kind a, of a bad one. Yeah, he's a bald jerky boy. Uh, Q is for Quicksilver, who first appeared alongside Scarlet Witch, who you mentioned, in Uncanny X-Men number four from January of 1964. Twin sister to Scarlet Witch, Pietro Maximoff can run fast. Very fast. He runs real fast. Very, very fast. He's like Sonic the Hedgehog. The twins were believed to be mutant children of Magneto raised by humans, but it was later revealed that they actually got their powers from experiments by the High Evolutionary. Everything is connected. Also, um, his teeth are different than Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> you were you holding on to that, that joke for I like two I just wanted to. So bad. Uh, All right. R is for Rancic the Reject. Wow, such a harsh name. <laughs> such a harsh name. In Eternals number eight in November of 1976, considered disfigured and horrifying to his fellow deviants because of his handsome looks, Rancic is an incredible fighter and dangerous member of the race, but he is besties with Ryan's favorite deviant. The monstrous Carcass. Carcass is a big red dude who... It looks like a terrifying monster, but he's got the soul of a poet, and he just wants to hang out and be friends. And, I feel the same way right? about me. <laughs> <laughs> and Ransack, uh, Carcass just wants to like calm Ransack down, and Ransack just wants to fight, and the two of them together are the best. I love them. The Abbott and Costello of the Eternals. Almost. Almost. Oh, so good. S is for Supreme Intelligence from Fantastic Four number 65, May 1967. It's a massive supercomputer made up of the greatest minds of the Kree, Supremor, as it's also known, charts the course for the Kree race. It's also a giant green tentacle head in a jar and super cool. Yeah, you guys uh, might remember that from Marvel Studios' Captain Marvel. Yeah, I wish they had the jar. (laughs) I want the jar. Give me the jar. jar. T is for the two-gun kid. That is Matt Hawk slash Hawkins, slash Leibowitz. The two-gun kid was a kid with two guns, uh, introduced in Timely Comics era, but he was reinvented by Kirby in the Marvel Age as a more fantastic superhero-style gunslinger. Uh, The kid even traveled through time and hung out with the Avengers for a while. He has a horse named Thunder and a partner named Boom Boom Brown, and he's just a guy with spurs. Rootin' tootin'. It's it's fascinating because there was another two-gun kid Mm -hmm. that was in all the stories beforehand, but in number 60... That two-gun kid is revealed to be like a dime store 
fictional character in the universe so that they could make the the Matt Hawk version who was just cooler anyway. Yeah, I so fun. You uh, is for Uatu the Watcher, a.k.a. Big Bald Baby. First appeared in Fantastic Four number 13 in January 1963. The Watchers are a race of advanced bald space babies who messed up by giving technology to a race who wasn't ready for I it. I feel like you're misleading people because they're not actual babies. Mm. They're not actual babies. They look like babies. Little babies in, in togas. Uh, and they uh, pretty much destroyed, this race pretty much destroyed themselves. So the Watchers were like, oh no, what do we do? Uh, let's... <laughs> <laughs> We're never again going to interfere. We're just going to observe and record and watch. So Uatu is a watcher who looks over Earth. He's looking at you right now. Also, he's the worst at not interfering. Yeah, he's, he's really bad at it. Constantly getting up in your business. I just love that he's always like, listen, I'm not saying that I know something, but like if you could stop this thing that's about to happen, that would be great. And he just, and then he's like, Go deal with that, and he sends you off to deal with yeah. it. Like I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go pick up that gun and shoot that person. That's not what I would do. And he's just Link. like, like unless you wanted to. Yeah. Um. Also, shout out to his big bald baby family, which is my favorite. When you see him with his wife, who's like a, a big bald man with like a little tiny <laughs> amount of lipstick, is essentially what she looks like. Yep. And like eyelashes. Yeah. I don't know. It's just amazing. All right, The Vision is V, introduced in the Marvel Mystery Comics number 13 in September of 1940. This was the original Vision before androids could cry. There was this Vision, um, an interdimensional hero of justice. Arcus came to Earth to help humanity fight evil with his powers over smoke and gas and more stuff. He joined the invaders who uh, fought the Ratsies. You heard that right. And was an original Timely Comics character. His look, though, did inspire the synthesoid Vision, who was created in the Avengers comics in the 1960s, who could cry. Yeah. Uh, w is for the Wasp, who first appeared in Tales to Astonish number 44 from March 1963. Janet Van Dyne became the Wasp, fighting alongside Ant-Man originally to avenge her father. She later helped form and named the Avengers, has led the team, been a corporate leader, and a world-renowned fashion designer. And now she hangs out with the other Wasp. It's so sweet. I love it. It's great. It's the best. X is for Professor Xavier, introduced in Uncanny X-Men number one in July of 1963. He's a bald dude with a mega mental power to just teach kids and read their minds and develop little mutant powers. Um, and he sometimes fights. He's been dead sometimes. He lives sometimes. He's a complicated figure. Sure. And sometimes he really needs to stop a meddlin. Yeah. A hundred percent. Him and the Watcher. Bald boys. Bald boys meddlin. Chill out. Yeah, bald boys be meddling. Uh, y is for Yancey Street Gang, which yeah. first appeared in Fantastic Four number 15, March 1963. There are a bunch of hooligans from the neighborhood where the thing grew up. The Yancey Street Gang was Ben Grimm's crew for a while, but since then they've tormented him, teased him, and pranked him for years once he got out of being in the gang. Uh, Yancey Street is based off of the Lower East Side of New York City where Kirby grew up, so maybe he had a Yancey Street Gang of his own that he based this on. I know. I love this. This is such the Kirby thing. This yeah. is Kirby. Yeah. Um, Z is for Arnim Zola, introduced in Captain America number 208 in January of 1977. He's a twisted biochemist and genetics experimenter. And then Zola gained uh, knowledge from the Deviants and was welcomed by the Red Skull to help further with his goals during World War II. He's a bad boy, a real bad boy. He uploaded his consciousness into a robot body to survive longer after his human body would no longer live. He's a creep. Yeah. He's a jerk. Great design, though. Yeah, it's a great design. It's Looks really cool. cool. He's got great sleeves on his on his arm, on his jacket. And he's got a face inside of his chest. And he reminds nubbin. me of Krang. <laughs> Way earlier than the Krang. Way earlier than Krang. Yeah. Krang reminds me of him. That's right. That was quite a big talk, Ryan. That's right, Lorraine. That was a big talk because we're talking about comics. And you know... If you wanted to earn some cashback rewards for buying your comic books, you could do that with the Marvel MasterCard. Learn how at marvelmastercard.com slash twim. Yeah, you could earn 3% cashback rewards paid as a statement credit on your comic books, your movies, your restaurants, and more with the Marvel MasterCard. And you get 1% cashback rewards paid as a statement credit on all other purchases. There's no limit on the cashback rewards you can earn, so get excited. Enjoy special Marvel benefits like three months of Marvel Unlimited, which we've been talking about, which is such an awesome subscription service. And you can choose your superhero 
designed from one of six cool cards like Iron Man, Black Panther, and Spider-Man, just to name a few. Wait, Lorraine! What? If you apply for a Marvel MasterCard from now until September 11th, 2019, you could be entered for a chance to win a trip to New York to attend New York Comic Con. Yeah, that's right. Um, there will be only one winner who gets their trip to New York, but three first prize winners will receive a specially selected Marvel collectible statue from Sideshow Collectibles, which are dope. And then five second prize winners will get swag bags with cool merch from the Marvel booth at New York Comic Con. The one selected winner who gets the big prize will get a trip for two to New York. We'll get tickets to attend New York Comic Con along with passes to a Marvel panel and an autograph signing in the Marvel booth. It's a lot. That's a big tomato. Yes. No purchase or application necessary to enter the sweepstakes must be 18 years or older for rules and to apply, visit marvelmastercard.com. Uh, speaking of New York Comic Con, I talked to two people who are very instrumental in uh, putting together all of our conventions and experiences. That would be Brian Crosby, creative director for Themed Entertainment, and Beth Bryson, project manager, Parks and Resorts for Marvel Themed Entertainment. So the two of them are terrific. They were there with me at D23 Expo. And um, Brian's been on the show a couple times before, uh, but this was Beth's first time on any podcast. And she was so nervous, but she was so terrific. I love them both. I can't wait to take a listen. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to dive into their histories, but also, like, putting together these big conventions and working on the stuff that goes into all the theme parks. It's really, really cool. Enjoy the interview right now. Hi, Brian. Hey, Ryan. How's it going, buddy? Well, I'm doing well. Hey, Beth. Hey, Ryan. So, Beth. This is the first time you've ever been on a podcast. Ever. I have never podcasted in my life. Wow. Yep. Newbie. It's a big yeah. day. Yeah, yep. it's great. Very exciting. Brian, you've been on the show a couple times before yeah. over the years. Yep. What I want to do first before we start talking about all the D23 Expo stuff is get your guys' Marvel origin stories. Beth, why don't we start with you? What right. is like? How did you first get connected to our characters, our, our stories? Our, what, was it a comic, a cartoon, movie, whatever? What was yeah, it? Yeah. Um, for me, it was the cartoons. It was X-Men, the animated series really hooked me and then spider-man on saturdays and i came across comic books in my library at my school and realized that these same characters that i've been watching in these cartoons that i loved had a whole other side and a whole other story to tell and started reading marvel comics when i was in elementary school yeah yeah that's great yep brian yeah, uh, I actually discovered Marvel through the Incredible Hulk TV show and Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Big fan of that show back in the 80s. Grew up on it. Mm -hmm. um, comics, I, I discovered when I was about 10. Uh, my first comic, I won't say because it's from the Distinguished Competition. But mm. How dare you? I know, I'm so sorry. But it was my first. I didn't know any better. Right. Um, you just pick up something bright and shiny because like, you're a dumb child. Yeah. yeah. And then I was like, I need something more, something greater. And uh, when I got into junior high, a good friend of mine introduced me to the X-Men. Um, and it was the first appearance of Bishop. And I just kind of fell in love with the X-Men and those stories. I mean, I just thought the, the X-Men were so different from any other superheroes that I knew of. Like, they didn't fit into a, uh, a clear archetype. They were their own thing. And so I, I just thought that was really cool. Heck yeah. Uh, now, you are both on our Marvel-themed entertainment team. We are. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, when did that team begin? Like, like because it wasn't Ooh. it wasn't always around. Yeah. It, it was not. Uh, Marvel themed entertainment. We were actually um, we were Marvel live events originally, mm -hmm. um, and that was back in uh, 2015. So we're actually the newest division of Marvel, or pretty close to it. You know, new media somewhere yeah. in there too. Yeah. But uh, was, we were digital media. <laughs> back, around, back yeah. in my day, <laughs> when I was hired in 2006, we were called digital back media. Back in my day. And now it's new. But I think it was. Same I think thing. it was really after you know, kind of after the we became part of the Walt Disney Company that we realized, hey, Marvel's going to be starting to show up in in Disney theme parks and things like that. Yep. And so that's when we decided that we needed a group that was focused on uh, partnering with Walt Disney Imagineering to bring the characters to life in the theme parks, to do arena shows, museum exhibits, character appearances, all that stuff that was really um, dimensional installations of the Marvel brand. So it was kind of, it was just a really a new line of business for Marvel. Yep. 
And you came in to start that team? I did, yeah. yeah. So I, I came from Walt Disney Imagineering. Um, I was a concept designer there for about 10 years, worked on a ton of stuff from It's a Small World to uh, Finding Nemo Submarine Voyage and uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and Tron and Star Wars. And But I really, I, I kind of found my niche uh, working on the Marvel content because I love the characters. So once, again, Marvel became part of the Disney company, it was awesome to uh, start to imagine what Marvel might look like in the, in the theme parks. And the very first thing we ever did, uh, well, not, the first attraction was the Iron Man experience in Hong Kong, mm. which we originated uh, at, at Walt Disney Imagineering. And then I got to see through to completion as uh, the creative director at Themed Entertainment at yeah. Marvel. I don't. We became friends before you started at Marvel. Well, that's when we were doing the Disney Kingdoms line of comic yeah. books, um, and so yeah, we got to be friends through doing that. I think a lot, mm-hmm. um, which was a blast to do. Still yeah. loved that project. Yeah, it was super fun. Beth, when did you join the team? It'll be three years in September, which is really weird to think about because it feels honestly like yesterday. People say that all the time, but I do not know where the last three years went. It has been. It's been a roller coaster and it's been the best kind of ride. It's been so much fun. This team gets to work on just the coolest stuff. It's it's rare that work feels like work, honestly. It's We only speak in roller coaster and ride metaphors. Yes, of by course. The way. It's hundred uh, percent only in attractions. I, like, okay, that's, great. I'm glad, <laughs> yeah. I was about to say I believe we call them attractions. Thank you. They are attractions, <laughs> yes. Uh, heroic encounters, you know, <laughs> verbiage, mm, nomenclature. Yes. Um, Where were yeah. you before uh, you joined Marvel? I was at Universal Studios. Mm. I helped them open the Wizarding World of Harry Potter on the West Coast. Mm. Uh, and I was also involved in creative uh, for Halloween Horror Nights and Grinchmas and all their seasonal stuff over there. And I was a tour guide for the studio. I actually, I, my first job out here was in the parks. I performed as a as a member of the entertainment cast at Disneyland. Uh, I was there for about a year and a half. I worked on Star Wars, the Jedi Training Academy. I was very good friends with uh, the Jedi Knight T.R. Kai. And I was very good friends with the Evil Queen from Snow White. And I, I had the opportunity to perform in Phantasmic as well. So wow. I have a lot of a lot of Disney DNA in it, this one. <laughs> a lot of Disney DNA and between the two of you, a yeah. lot of actual like DNA in the parks and experiences and, and it makes a lot of sense why you are doing what you're doing which leads us to where we are right now we're at D23 Expo uh, and we had just recently come off of the panel for uh, Disney Parks Experiences and Products which revealed a whole bunch of cool stuff yeah no we're it, it's it's been a long time in the making so it was fun to see a lot of the things that we've been working on in partnership with Walt Disney Imagineering of course and Marvel Studios and and our team at Marvel themed entertainment to see some of that stuff announced and brought to life and hear people react to it was uh, really a ton of fun. That's always the best part. That was is, the best. Because you're always behind the scenes kind of working on this stuff, locked in your, in your office, hunched over a drawing table, you know, if I can use that example. <laughs> totally. And, and, <laughs> it's accurate. And it's a then, great visual too, really. <laughs> but then when you come to the, you know, things like the D23 Expo or San Diego Comic-Con or n- any of the conventions, it's fun to see the fans react to the stuff you're doing. So really cool, really fun to see. It was so great. And that was my first time having that experience because we do, we work we work in an office. We, we do a lot of back and forth. We have a lot of conversations. We do a lot of the brainstorming and, you know, really fine tuning all of these attractions and experiences that we're going to be you know putting up in these parks and around the world and to have it in front of people is really cool because that's really why we do it that's why we love doing this is because we at marvel have the best fans on the planet and we love getting to do things for them that they're going to love that they can experience they can bring their families to come do and having an opportunity to put in these installations where people are going to be able for for decades i think it's safe to say they get to come here and experience that and really feel what it is to be in these awesome worlds that we've seen on screen and that we've read about since some of us were kids and it's just it's really cool to see people connecting with that with the source material that way yeah i mean one of the things that we have to do a little bit differently than other um mediums is we have to really flip the the paradigm of how we tell stories so, you know, if you're reading a comic book or watching a film or a TV show, it's essentially you're watching the action unfold. When you're in a, a theme park attraction, 
you become the protagonist. It's about the stories happening to you. Uh, if you ride Space Mountain, you're the one flying the, the, the rocket ship. If you're on Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, you're in the runaway train. So when we tell some of these stories with Avengers or Spider-Man or Guardians of the Galaxy or whoever, we have to think about what is your role in the story and how do you become the protagonist? And then how do these characters work with you or acknowledge you in some way? And it's a, it's a completely different form of uh, storytelling that, that, you know, I've loved my whole life. I grew up here in Southern California. And so now to start to bring some of these characters to life in this way is just a ton of fun. I think that's part of what makes Marvel so exciting is that they are characters that are so aspirational and they have these incredible abilities and they work together in such a unique way. And I think that people who really connect with these characters in the films and and in the cartoons and through the comic books, they really want to be a part of that. And it's exciting to, to be working on an attraction where we get to really give people that experience in, in our Spider-Man attraction that we're going to be opening here soon. And I'm I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited to see people get in there and yeah. and play with it and get get involved and it's it's cool. It's going to be really fun. I remember going to the opening for Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout yeah. at Disney California Adventure and just like walking through the queue and like holding up the line because I was like, no, I, I want to look at this. I want to like look at every <laughs> little cool, bit and piece. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, and you go through the whole thing and, and it's really neat. And then I remember... Brian, I think it was you who was like, hey, when you're there, take a, take a look around the corner. Just look around the corner, look in the, like, the, the flower bed over there. See what you find. And I was like, okie dokie. <laughs> walk over there. I'm like, whoa, there's a giant Avengers symbol here. And it's like bolted into the ground. It was this really cool experience. And I thought that was such a neat touch. And that leads us to where we're going with Avengers Campus. Right. And I mean, the, and really what we're, what we're telling is a, is a global story. It's connecting what's happening here in Anaheim with what's happening in Hong Kong Disneyland with what's happening in Shanghai or on the Disney Cruise Line or in, in Epcot. Um, it's, it's, it's a, or in Paris, of course, um, oh, yeah. I mean, these stories are supposed to be in true fashion. You know, the way we tell our stories in, in films and comics is it's an interconnected storyline. The characters acknowledge that you're in their place, that you are, you're in Anaheim, you're in Paris. It's a, it's a story that's happening right here to you and it's connected to what's happening over there. So part of the fun is Easter egging what's happening here versus what's happening in Hong Kong. So if you if you see an Iron Man experience here in Anaheim, he'll actually say, I'm currently in Hong Kong at the Stark Expo. And so it's it just connects you, you know, and a, a little subtle piece of dialogue will connect you to something that's happening over there. And again, going back to that idea of you are the protagonist, these Avengers campuses are about you discovering your own power and getting to work and and, and, and save the world alongside the Avengers and Spider-Man and all of these great heroes. The first attraction that will open as Avengers Campus really comes online here in Anaheim will be the Spider-Man attraction. That's right. Yep. What can you tell us about it? <laughs> oh, um, I'm thinking about some of the, um, the concept art that was released today. <laughs> uh, so we did reveal the Web Slinger, which is going to be the yep. actual... Um, the vehicle that you actually ride the attraction in, which is its own unique kind of fun part of the story. And we didn't touch too much on this in the panel because it's kind of getting down in the nitty gritty, but it is something we can talk about. We, you know, web as an, as an actual organization is going to be home to a lot of really fun characters, kind of just ping ponging off of the, the Easter egg concept you know, we won't get too deep into the weeds on on any of that, but there are going to be some really fun Easter eggs to to look out for in the queue line yeah. and in the attraction itself. And I, I think it's 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 right to talk about Web itself and and the Worldwide Engineering Brigade. Totally. That this is a new organization that's part of our universe that is connected to the Avengers Campus, filled with young inventors, creators, including Peter Parker himself, mm-hmm. and is allowing us to experience what it's like to uh, have superpowers of our own. So I think what's going to be you know, super aspirational and fun about this attraction 
is you actually get to feel what it's like to sling webs, and I'm I'm doing the hands as I'm talking to you. <laughs> you it's great. Yeah, it, was, it was so like natural <laughs> for you to do it too. It was great. Well, even as we've as we've play tested this attraction internally, yeah. and you watch people engage, they all they all do it. You must whip. No, but you're you're going to be on an adventure with Spider Man, getting to sling webs like he does because you're in the web slinger vehicle. And again, these these spider bots that uh, Peter has invented have gone a little bit haywire, and so we are on a, a mission, and it's a great part about it is it's for everybody kids young and old like me big kid you get to feel what it's like to sling webs like spidey and it's so replayable that's that's another thing that i love so much about it is that it is going to be the perfect opportunity to go on over and over and over and over again it's going to be one of those attractions that people will want to ride over and over again it's really fun which one of my you've had steven wacker steve wacker our buddy on on the show a number of times getting to play test it with steve oh Oh. is one of the joys of my life uh watching him and he just becomes a big kid and i've been to a few theme parks with steve as we've done some of these and he is the most fun person to ride attractions with because he just becomes eight years old and seeing him play and laugh and giggle was just awesome and and you really kind of see that happen to everybody um who does it so i i think people are going to get a big kick out of it and and that really that's just the that's phase one of avengers campus which we did tease a little bit of what's coming in phase mm-hmm. two phase uh, two is of the very campus. exciting yeah big avengers e-ticket attraction for uh, a listener who is a marvel fan but maybe doesn't know uh, theme park yeah. theme park stuff what is an e-ticket uh, e-ticket is uh it's it's actually an old disneyland term because back in the day they used to use uh ticket books to experience attractions so uh, uh a ticket or all the way through to an e-ticket would be kind of the um the currency. Yeah, like the, the currency admission. for how you yeah. experience an attraction. So you didn't just, you know, pay your one admission price and then go on any attraction you wanted. Mm-hmm. Different. Every attraction had a different uh, denomination that you had to give. It was worth an, an A ticket or a B ticket. And the E tickets were the most coveted because those were the highest thrill, most sought after attractions. So when we say we're going to do an Avengers E ticket attraction, this is going to be big time action, big time thrill, big time fun, right in the middle of an Avengers battle to Wakanda and beyond. It's, it's, I am genuinely so excited for people to experience this thing. Uh, what is another e-ticket ride, just for reference? Uh, like Mission, a, Breakout. Mission, Mission Breakout. Mission Breakout, Space okay. Mountain, yeah. things like that. Great. Yeah. Thunder yeah. Mountain. It's going to be very Any fun. Any of the mountains, really. All the mountains. All, all the mountains are, <laughs> yeah. are e-tickets. Uh, for Webb, I would like to request that Dan Slott also go out to the opening. Oh, Because I yeah. can't imagine not seeing i like i want video of dan slot experiencing what the spider-man attraction for the first time because i think it will be yes. rainbows and unicorns and excitement a hundred percent for it we need dan oh, there it's gonna be great and All we've in. actually we've had uh and we're working with a number of creators from from studios from comics and you know, yeah. we bring them in get their input on the on the oh, attraction so that the story feels uh 100 authentic to spider-man and of course, Avengers Campus is going to be coming to Disneyland Paris, yep. which is going to be super fun, and they're going to be connected. Uh, Beth, I know we teased a little bit about the California Sanctum. Yeah, uh, it's going to be really fun, right? I was so excited that that got such a huge reaction today in the panel. It was one of the things that we talked about that got the one of the biggest reactions. Really, we weren't really sure whether we were going to have space for it, and and we kind of went back and forth on whether it was going to really happen. But it's honestly one of my favorite features of of this campus that's going to be here in in Anaheim. It's going to be very interactive and obviously there are a lot of details that we're still working out and you know can't exactly talk about but it is going to be a really fun feature of this land. But a big so. part of this is is going to be just getting to interact with the characters. Yeah. Um, I mean we announced today Ant-Man and the Wasp are coming to Avengers Campus for the first time. So cool. Iron Man, who you, currently you can only meet in Hong Kong or on the Disney Cruise Line, is going to be in Anaheim for the first time. And, of course, all the ones that you've gotten to know, like Black Panther and the Dora Milaje, uh, Captain America, Captain Marvel. Uh, Spider-Man Thor, is Spider-Man, going to be yeah, Loki, over Web, yeah. All the, all the, all the guys yeah. and girls will be there. Yeah. It's very cool. The gang. We're, we're getting a little low on time. I do want to make sure we mention that, of course, the Art of Marvel coming to Disneyland Paris, that hotel is going to be yeah. Wild, I can like original Beautiful. art and hundreds of pieces, which is going to be really cool. Yeah. The themed experiences and everything. Uh, we have a news article on that. We're going to talk about that on, on 
we probably have already it spoken really, about that. It really is a love letter to to all the art of Marvel. Truly. Across all different lines of business, mediums, things like that. Yeah. And I, I want to make sure we hit the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, which is coming to Epcot, which I can't wait for that. <laughs> Ooh, man, it is going to be good. It's and huge. We didn't even talk massive. about how big, like size-wise. From what I've been told, the... enormous. Yeah, the, the ride building, which is under construction right now at Epcot, from what I've been told, you can fit, I believe, three spaceship Earths inside the ride building. Correct. What? How? Whoa. In terms of football stadiums, I don't even know it's how massive. many we're at. It's, it's massive. massive. What? They had to send us, when we first got images of that, of the groundbreaking down there and the, the structure that's going up, they had to send pictures with people in them for scale. <laughs> and it was truly like, you had to squint to find the person. But one of the interesting <laughs> things about that, though, Ryan, is, is again, figuring out how we bring that into our world and specifically into Epcot. How do you make it an Epcot story? Mm-hmm. And so it's not just, I mean, yes, it's a Guardians of the Galaxy attraction, but it's also a Zendarian outpost. Mm-hmm. So as Bob Chapek mentioned today, it's an inter intergalactic uh, showcase or uh, another worldly showcase, I yeah. believe was his. Uh, his other other world pavilion. That's yeah. now world showcase, yeah. otherworldly showcase. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, we have, a, we have a hook on this attraction that gets you into a, a, an absolutely genuine Guardians of the Galaxy adventure with everything that you would expect that would come out of that, but with a big, big epic coaster, just reverse uh, backwards launch. Dude, backwards um, launch. I'm here for it. <laughs> it's going to be fun. I don't yeah. know what anything means, but I'm excited. Re- backwards launch means your launch is when backwards. you shoot the first just launch. The launch. Like and then that. you're going to be going you. forward at another point? We're going to be able to. It's going to be It's a powered coaster, yeah. so we can actually turn the vehicles mm-hmm. individually and point you in the direction we want you to look at. So typically you ride a coaster and everything's facing forward, right? So as you're you know, going through the coaster, we can actually turn the vehicle in each car to point you in the way we want you to look. And in some cases, we can shoot point you backwards. Back. Yeah. It's going to be great. It's going to be intense. It's going to be fun. Uh, all the, <laughs> the details, and we have some concept art and everything, that's all up on marvel.com. Uh, before we go, do you have a favorite attraction? Like if you had to say, if I could only do one thing for the rest of my life, <laughs> what would it be? Go ahead. I mean, it's, it sounds sort of self-serving, but Mission Breakout is absolutely, my, like hands down, my favorite attraction. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go old school. So my my the ones I've worked on, I would say Iron Man Experience, just because that was so close to me from from beginning to end. But if I go back to my childhood, um, Peter Pan's Flight. Um, I I, I've Peter always Pan. loved. I know it's 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 relatively simple, but the way it captured my imagination as a kid, that I was flying and it had pirates and Indians and mermaids and never growing up, all the things that uh, I love about about Marvel. Um, I think it's all there too. So, because we have pirates and mermaids and Indians and never growing up, right? Yeah, I'm sure totally. we do. Somewhere. Absolutely, <laughs> for all sure. Those uh, but yeah, so Paris. pirates. Uh, Peter Pan's flight was my childhood favorite. Awesome, it's a good call. Thank you both. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. All right, it is time for our question of the week, and this one, come on, it's simple. Who is your favorite Jack Kirby created character? That's like. Can't go any, any you know, the, it's got to be that. Uh, I'm going to go first. I'll pick MODOK because, of course, he's the greatest character in fictional history. So, duh. I'm going to go Gugum. Yeah, Gugum. Gugum. Yeah. Um, terrific. And, Sorry, Captain America. <laughs> yeah. Bite it, Cap. Take that, Wasp. Uh, you can tweet your answers using hashtag This Week in Marvel. Email them to twimpodcast at marvel.com or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash This Week in Marvel. Remember, you can always tag us as well at Agent M and at Lorraine Sink. Uh, we always like seeing your tweets. Yeah, show us your tweets. Lorraine, what do we got as far as community? Well, funny you should ask, Ryan, because Alex Moorhead has sent us a tweet. Uh, (laughs) Thinking about how, despite all the bad in the world, there is so much good. Mainly my daughter and Ms. Marvel. From issue number one from G. Willow Wilson through this Saladin Ahmed run, this series is perfect. And that's coming from a Punisher fanboy. That delights my heart because Ms. Marvel is so pure. It is such pure joy. So I'm, I'm glad you found some happiness in your heart, Alex Moorhead. Heck yeah. Uh, so we asked last week about favorite Runaways character. Juan Chango uh, says, my favorite Runaways character has to be Chase. He works so hard to keep his chosen family together and does everything he can to keep them going. He knows that not everything is perfect, but he keeps going and trying. He's even willing to forego 
his love. He really is like such a good boyfriend. He tries so hard just to be the boo of, of life. Okay, Rodder is at Rod Bunny Slay, which is the best name. Uh, just finished the latest This Week in Marvel and loved the Runaways interview. Rainbow Rowell, you are amazing, and I love your love for comics. My favorite Runaway is Nico. I identify with her a lot, and I love her style. Um, She's freaking awesome. Nico yeah. is dope. Yeah. So is Rainbow Rowell. Yeah. Uh, Simon Williams said... She-Hulk and Ms. Marvel shows. Okay, Mickey, you win. I'll get Disney+. Plus. Um, oh, my God. I'm so excited. Yes. Uh, Simon also had a couple other tweets in here. He says, given the announcement of her new show, I think the next character study on This Week in Marvel should be She-Hulk. Yes. Do you want to put that one yes, together? I do. That, I would love that. Yeah. That means I can focus on another one so that we can get ahead. Yeah. You work on She-Hulk. I'll work on, I know we have a Doctor Strange request that came in. So Great. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Okay. I'm so excited. Uh, Simon also says, after listening to episode 408 of the show, I went ahead and bought Runaways in trade. I hope it's as good as you guys say it is. Simon, please keep us posted. We want to know what you think as you go along. I'm sorry. I was just thinking about how he needs to get ready for all the 2000s pants. Oh, yeah. Because they, they're like the low slung pants. I'm so excited for you to read it. Just like get in your Britney mood and get ready. Yes. It's good stuff. Brit it up. Those were the tweets. What a bunch of tweets. Yeah, you guys are great. Uh, that's it. That was a packed episode. That was packed and stacked, especially in the back. So <laughs> that's all Actually, lyric. Accurate and true. Uh, <laughs> just so you know, our This Week of Marvel history, we cut out a bunch of things from the audio portion, but it will have expanded a bunch more uh, tidbits in the article that will be on Marvel.com in a couple of days. Uh, and all the books in uh, the Jack Kirby A to Z, we're going to put up an article about that to give you links to read all that stuff because everything... Uh, from the A to Z is available in Marvel Unlimited. So we'll make it really easy if you want to read all those books and see all those first appearances and, and key moments. It's all there. We're going to have that up for you uh, in the coming days. So by the time you hear the next episode, both of those articles should be live for you. Yeah. Um, I'm so excited for us to do our deep dives. Yeah. You guys, keep keep those suggestions coming, too. I love the stuff you guys suggest for us to dig into because we like to do it, too. Yeah. Uh, I'm really excited about She-Hulk because I've I don't have as deep a knowledge of her. Uh, so I'm going to do my research too, but I'm, I'm excited for you to let loose. I'm just going to say this. She-Hulk was the first Deadpool and get at me in a couple of weeks when we talk about it because she's going to blow your mind. Yeah. Uh, with that in mind, I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. And this is Marvel. Your universe. <laughs>